Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's have a devotion. We're in Isaiah chapter 15. We're going to look at verses 1 through 9. That's the whole chapter. A pronouncement concerning Moab. Ar, that's the city, A-R, and Moab is devastated. Destroyed in a night. Kir in Moab is devastated. Destroyed in a night. Dibon went up to its temple to weep at its high places. Moab wails on Nebo at Mediba. Every head is shaved, every beard is chopped short. In its streets they wear sackcloth. On its rooftops and in its public squares everyone wails, falling down and weeping. So this is a pronouncement against Moab. We saw, we saw a pronouncement against Philistia in, in the previous text, and now here's a pronouncement against Moab. This is all, this is in a, a series of pronouncements against Israel and Judah's evil neighbors. And what's, what's remarkable is that Jeremiah does the exact same thing in the exact same order. In Jeremiah chapter 47, there's a pronouncement against Philistia, and then there's a pronouncement against Moab in chapter 48, right? Jeremiah 47, this is the word of the Lord that came to the prophet Jeremiah about the Philistines before Pharaoh defeated Gaza. This is what the Lord says. And then uh, uh, Jeremiah chapter 48, about Moab, this is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel says, woe to Nebo because it's about to be destroyed. Kirithaim will be put to shame, will be taken captive. The fortress will be put to shame and dismayed. There's no longer praise for Moab. They plan harm against her in Heshbon. Come, let's cut, uh, cut her off from nationhood. All right, so uh, Jeremiah does the same exact thing. Ezekiel also has prophecies against uh, Moab, and Amos does as well. Remember, Amos was actually a contemporary of Isaiah's. While Isaiah was prophesying to Judah, Amos was prophesying to Israel, all right, the northern, uh, the, the northern kingdom. So what comes in the next verses are a series of towns that are toward the south in Moab. And this indicates that the wrath that's about to come upon Moab would come from the north, and then the, the people would flee to the south. Okay, so I'm about to list a bunch of cities, uh, and even a river, I think, is right, yeah. Uh, and as I'm listing these, if you don't recognize the names, it's okay. Some of them have been wiped out. Some of them have had their names changed. Uh, but what we do see geographically in the names of the towns I'm about to list is that the people are fleeing south, which indicates that the, the, this attack could come from, uh, that it could come upon Moab from the north. All right, so here, is, uh, here it is in verse, in verse 4. Heshbon and Aleah cry out. Their voices are heard as far away as Jay has. Therefore the soldiers of Moab cry out and they tremble. My heart cries out over Moab, whose fugitives flee as far as Zor to Eglath Shalashiah. They go up the ascent of Luhith weeping. They raise a cry of destruction on the road to Horanaim. Okay, so we're moving south. It could be that this force is coming in from the north of Moab and they're moving their way south and they reach this wadi, all right? The wadi, W-A-D-I, is the Hebrew word for a river. And at the very southern border of Moab is, uh, at least the wadi of the willows, there is the Nimrim. There's this river that serves as the southern border between Moab and Edom. So as they flee south, they're not going into friendly territory when they, when they cross this, this river. Here's verse 6. The waters of Nimrim are desolate, the grass is withered, the foliage is gone, and the vegetation has vanished. So they carry their wealth and belongings over the wadi of the willows. Just picture that. 
picture the futility of it. I'm going to bring all my, my wealth, my opulent gold and silver, and my, my, my precious items through a river. Like, what are you going to do on the other side, man? For their cry echoes throughout the territory of Moab. Their wailing reaches Eglame. Their wailing reaches Bir Elim. The waters of Dibon are full of blood, but I will bring on Dibon even more than this, a lion for those who escape from Moab and for the survivors of the land. All right, so a quick word on this. If, you're, if your Bible translation says Dibon instead of Dibon, there's good biblical textual evidence to suggest, as the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible, renders it here, that it ought to be spelled Dibon, you know, as transliterated as a name from Hebrew here into, uh, in, into English. So th things are looking rough for Moab, but this is nothing new. In Genesis chapter 19, verses 30 through 38, we see the story of where Moab came from. Right after God has destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah within the text, uh, Lot and his daughters are out alone. Remember what happened to his wife. And so now this incestuous act is, uh, is conspired. And the result is uh, the nation of Moab. And so true to their origins, right? They, their pagan practices are abundant throughout the nation of Moab. Uh, multiple prophets, like I said, Ezekiel, Amos, Isaiah, Jeremiah, all told Moab what was going to go down, and there's no repentance in Moab, and so there's this outpouring. Moab was a smaller nation. This is where Ruth came from. If you look back on our series on Ruth, I don't think I have any of my Ruth content here with me, but uh, if you look back on the series of uh, in Ruth, this was this was Ruth's context. Actually, makes th these pronouncements against Moab make the book of Ruth all the more shocking, right? That, that That's her context. That's where Elimelech and Naomi moved. They were living in Bethlehem and they moved to all of that. Like, wow. Makes, that's, that's what makes me speculate that Elimelech may have been trying to run away from the worship of the Lord and go indulge in pagan practices. So when Naomi brings Ruth with her, everybody could see distinctively, you know, Ruth is definitely not from around here. She probably looked like a Moabite. And as a Moabite is to say, your God will be my God, that was repentance. So even as you see the, the coming devastation upon Moab, and you know how deep its roots go to the very founding of the nation itself, do know that we as a ministry have covered verse by verse uh, the story of at least one Moabitess who not only was saved in the Old Testament sense, as she became a worshiper of Yahweh, but she's even used in the genealogy that would lead to the Christ. Okay, that one I know we have right here, right? Uh, the, the opening of our study of the Gospel of Matthew in fulfillment. There's a lot of overlap between the end of our study of Ruth and the beginning of Matthew. It's because the genealogy that appears at the end of Ruth, connecting Ruth herself and Boaz to Jesus, appears in the opening of the Gospel of Matthew. All right, that's why we did that purposefully from Ruth uh, to Matthew to now Isaiah. I want you to see the contiguous arc as God sovereignly orchestrates all of history, even using a Moabitess, the, uh, a citizen of the nation against whom today's text is a pronouncement. Even a Moabitess will be used in accordance with the sovereign will of God to bring about the greatest miracle in the history of the universe, salvation in Jesus Christ for all who confess that he's Lord.